I actually have one for you. I have, I prepared a fraud joke because I thought this podcast was really fun. Yeah, we're wrong. <laughs> oh, God. What do you call... <clears throat> I can't, it's not really that funny, but... I'm still going to laugh. It's okay. What do you call fake noodles? Impastas. <laughs> I always think it's spaghetti. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? I'll start. Carmen Waugh. I'm the information security officer here at Royal. I'm Taylor Terrace. I'm the fraud manager here at Royal. So we have information security and fraud. You guys work together a lot? Just once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while. Okay. Actually quite, quite heavily. <laughs> okay. Car- Carmen, can you kind of give me your day to day? What does a typical day look like for you? So information security. It's really anything related to electronic data, paper data, and it's about how we're managing it, what new threats are coming along, how we have to change our processes to, you know, just reduce the risk of those threats. What do you love about your job? It's ever changing. There's always something new. It's not still, we're busy. We're always finding uh, different ways of doing things and really educating people and not even with my job, but personally. Taylor, what does a typical day look like for you? Oh my goodness. There definitely is no typical day, but fraud, especially with the changes our department has seen over the last year, is a lot more technical or um, technology focused than maybe it's been in the past. We're working on building a system so we can protect our members and identify those anomalies before maybe they even do so we can continue to be proactively protecting them and the credit union. Lots of different projects and um, technology, but uh, every once in a while, I still get to help with those fraud situations, talk to members. I really love the mystery of fraud. Um, when I, I've worked in lending previously, and anytime there was kind of a hinky situation, I loved being able to play Nancy Drew and try and figure out what was going on. And I get to do that all the time now in fraud. So in the world of information security and fraud, what are the biggest threats that you come across? Like the biggest threats to either internal information or external member facing stuff? Like what are people encountering? What are you guys working on lately? So from a member perspective, phishing, you know, the the topic that we're here to talk about today. And that's and, fishing with a PH again, right? So yes. That's right. Okay. I'm not bringing my pole with me today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and there's just so many different forms of phishing. And so what is happening? How are we educating our members on that? How can they detect it? And what can they do to prevent I think, you know, we make the joke about fishing and having the fishing pole and rod, but that really is kind of what the imagery is. You know, somebody, bad actor, fraudster is casting a line out there and they're trying to see what they can get and pull up all that information. So I think the imagery of fishing is is pretty accurate that they really are fishing. And specifically with what our members are seeing, it has nothing to do with Royal in particular. They're just casting that line out to see what they can get. And, you know, if you do that 300 times, even if it's only one, that's still, you know, however much money they're able to to get from that person. So how can members, how can people listening to this help protect themselves towards phishing? I think the first and most important is just really take the time to look at messages. You know, as we talk about, it only takes one. That's, that's why this continues is because they can make money off of it because we're reading it, we're doing, we're taking the action that we shouldn't be taking. And so if we just take a moment and look at it, look at who the sender is, look at what the message is about. There's a link there. Are you looking at that link to see, is it really related to Royal or your financial institution? 
And once you identify those items, just don't take any action. That's that's the most important part. You know, don't click on that link. Don't forward it. And if you do, the things that we need to look at when we need to call about, you know, stopping the threat happening. Right. So I think, you know, you, you hit on it a little bit, but that little bit of skepticism is really is really needed to make sure that if in the event that you do click on a link and provide information, I think reaching out to those, to your financial, maybe um, reaching out to the credit bureau, to, again, depending on what information you provided, you can take steps to pr- protect mm-hmm. yourself, but you don't have to wait until you've clicked that link. There are monitoring tools that you can use, like placing a freeze on your credit report so that People can't get your social and take out lines of credit or loans in your name using the alerts in Royal Credit Union um, online banking so that as activity comes in, you're able to set those thresholds of what you want to see, which can alert you and then you can get the issue corrected right away. Yeah, I think those are all great tactics. Another one that comes to mind personally is just have a support person that if you're getting something and you're like, this doesn't look normal, I'm going to send this to so-and-so in my family who's like the expert in this stuff. So. Like I play that role for my wife. Um, I can share an example that we had just the past couple of weeks. So she got an email from UPS saying that no one was home. The package couldn't be delivered. Click link to, you know, take action and uh, release it for delivery without a signature. She's like, well, I was expecting a package. Like, how was, how was it not like you were home, right? I was like, yes, I was home. Like, that's just a scam. So you got to have your support person, your support network in place to just review stuff and Get a second opinion if you if you have time. So. See, but that's where it gets really tough is she was expecting, like everything was lining up to, for her. And luckily she kind of slowed down, took a moment and bounced it off of you. But not everybody's going to do that right now. So yeah, it's true. Is it just having that other person or? Well, I think maybe taking a step back and talking about how this actually happens. Because I think the, the biggest concern members and non-members alike is how did they get my information? Is my is my account accessible? Is you know, do I have an account at Royal and I didn't even know I had an account at sure. Royal? Yeah, right. maybe you're not even a member. Really what happens, those bad actors, they're setting it up. You know, they're setting up their gathering from a particular area code. And we're talking specifically text messages here. They're gathering a list of thousands of numbers that exist in that area code. And then they're setting up a website that looks like Royal's login page. So once they have that all set up, then it's take action. And that's blasting text messages to these thousands of numbers. And when you're sending that to a regional area where you know we have a large membership, there's a pretty good chance that a a member is going to get that message. So I think sometimes that's what we have to think about is that it appears that it is targeted to us, but really it isn't. And so with the USPS, UPS, Amazon, how many people are shopping on there a day? So there's a pretty good chance that if they're sending a message out like that, they're probably going to hit somebody that's in flight of waiting for a package. So again, it's, do you normally get a a message like that from Amazon. Right. And like with Amazon not delivering most things via UPS, I was like, this is really fishy. Like I had to go and look at our Amazon account and be like, okay, yes, you know, your chai is supposed to arrive today. It's still out for delivery. Like no attempt was made, you know, and Amazon will take a picture of it on your porch nowadays and everything. So I was like, no, clearly. Well, you talked about having the um, support person, but sometimes you can go to the source of truth as well. Like you mentioned when, you know, if you have an Amazon package and you get the text message, you're like, well, I don't know, this feels a little weird. You can always track things in the app or um, online. And the same thing with Royal, you can 
you know, verify what's going on. And I think the urgency piece and the, you know, the requirement that you act quickly. Most reputable companies don't require you to do something immediately. You know, that sense of urgency really preys on people's, nobody wants to be in trouble. Nobody wants to do something the wrong way. So they really prey on that, do it right now, or click this link to resolve this immediately or whatever, or your account will be suspended kind of thing. Has you talked about different, you know, it's ever changing. Is there certain things that phishing scams that are coming up that people should be looking out for? Yeah, I think the, the big thing to uh, realize in the last couple of years is is related to text. So a lot of phishing was through email, and it has really moved to that mobile location. And, and really for that is the engagement. There's statistics out that 98% of all text messages are read. So that's really good engagement. I mean, that's why everybody's using it for a marketing channel. And when it's used for good, you know, it's also used for bad. And a combination of not only moving to mobile and really personal is combining voice and text messaging. So you get a text message and it follows up with a voice uh, or a phone call or similar. You know, you get that voicemail first, followed up with a phone call. And so that's where when you start having multiple locations, that's where, again, it feels, you know, more real, realistic of what's going on. And just the sophistication of the bad actors out there. So besides that, you know, targeting a new channel and targeting it in a volume, sophistication of being able to really highly target the message so it does appear to be custom to you. And they can do that by gathering a lot of information about you over the Internet. What do you have on your social media profiles? What other information do you have out there online? so that they can target it and really prey on your emotions and convince you this, is, this really is for me. I think those are the two big items that have really changed. You know, with the use of artificial intelligence, the ability to uh, highly automate the attacks. Bad actors out there now are buying fishing kits. So the not-so-skilled bad actors can just buy a fishing kit, you know, and they can kick off a process of just some turnkey starting scam the attack. text messages. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And then with, you know, with that sophistication, they can see how well the attack is doing and just quickly pivot, you know, change their tactics. If they find out one method isn't working and turn around and change it. I think that's a, another added sophistication that we're seeing in the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's not just one group that's learning. I mean, there's all different groups all over the world who have have these attacks or these campaigns almost to, to get information. So, yeah, they learn from um, not only what's worked in the past, but even as organizations roll out, you know, maybe guidelines on how members should behave, they can adapt to that then. Okay, so they won't send you any links. We'll stop sending links, but then we'll follow up with a phone call. So you provide this information over the phone and it's, it, yeah, it's challenging to combat. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm reluctant to even ask you things that we wouldn't do, because if you say it, then, be, yeah, it kind of gives them a better clue on how to mimic it. Well, and even, I mean, some of the things that we wouldn't do today, it doesn't necessarily mean we won't do later as technology evolves, as we have a um, more refined strategy of how we want to handle things. So it is really tricky to say what we will and won't do, aside from Royal will never call you and ask for your full debit card number, and Royal will never call you and ask for your full social. So it's kind of those um, 
identifying pieces that we wouldn't ask for. We'd never ask for your user, um, your online banking username and password. But we would ask for the last four of social? Actually, it's up to six, the last six of your social. Okay. Um, and because the last four of your social is so commonly used that the last six is actually a little bit more shows that you have a little bit more knowledge. But again, even that should always be used in conjunction with another security question. It should never be the only question. But when we, you know, we manage that perception when we're calling out saying, hey, we've noticed this on your account. We do not ask for a ton of information because we're calling them. We're initiating the call. We're, um, we have information on file. We have their phone number on file. So we are trusting that we're talking to the right person and we're not providing too much information either. So it's that delicate balance of those outbound calls need to be. Yeah. Cause know your, know your person that you're talking to, right. That applies on both ends of the receiver and sender. Right. So yeah. makes good sense. And I think if you're ever concerned that who that call you're getting from, there's no reason why you can't just stop the call and say, you know what, I'm going to call you, but I'm going to call the company back. Um, so that I can make sure I am calling the right company and who I'm speaking with. Yep. And we've had situations where we need to verify some information and we say, you know what, you can go ahead and call the 1-800 number. We recognize what we're asking for. We wouldn't advise you to provide over the phone um, based on an outbound call. So, you know, go ahead and call in or we can make you an appointment at an office. And it provides legitimacy to the conversation. Looking to the future... So we talked about how email was a super common scam method, and then it sort of seems like email programs or clients got better at recognizing that and shuffling those off into your junk folder, your spam folder. Do you think that's ever going to happen with text messages in the future? I sure hope so. <laughs> you know, I think it's a combination of it is education because if we don't take that action, they can't get what they want and they're just going to move on. So I think that is the number one. But I also think you know, there's technology and partnerships with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and wireless providers and different organizations to help with that. And there are apps you can get on your phone that can help identify fraudulent text messages, callers. I think that will just become more advanced as well. But the, the best tool is probably still between your ears, right? The little right. skepticism, the little voice in your head that's like, wait a minute. Just understanding the contents, checking it out, saying, you know, is this really... Okay. I was looking for the safety net, like the, the blanket the government-sponsored program that'll just like force everyone to register all text message codes in the future or something. But it sounds like that's not happening anytime soon. If you do end up having you clicked on that link, what are some of those things that you can do? I think first and foremost, you just want to limit, limit the damage, you know, change your password right away. And if you haven't set up multi-factor authentication, get that on your account right away. Multi-factor authentication? Like, what is that? From someone who talks about it all the time, I'm sure, like day in and day out, but like for someone who maybe doesn't know what that means, could you just explain that? Sure. MFA is another term, step up two-factor authentication. There's a bunch of different methods. And it's really just an, an additional piece of identif identification of who you are so that when you're logging into a system or you're validating who you are, it's not only your passport, but also something else you have, such as having a multi-factor authentication app on your phone where you have a code you have to enter or a push notification or potentially a code that gets sent to you in some other method. You know, either you get that uh, code over a phone call, 
text message, email. If you do use email, you do want to make sure that you have a strong email account that also can't get compromised. Sure. Okay. So it's just getting another PIN number or another code from some other source. Like, hey, can we send you this? Can we text you this code? And then you have to enter it on a website to validate that it's actually you. You have your phone number. It's not a scammer sitting somewhere else, right? Correct. Another thing with MFA just to keep in mind is now that we're so used to using MFA and sometimes we get that code or if we're using a push notification where you get a pop-up that you have to accept it, there is a concept of MFA fatigue. So when you get those, you do want to make sure you're not just automatically Uh. or instinctively saying yes, because if you didn't initiate that MFA prompt, you want to make sure that you don't accept that. Is it better to have to take that push out of it and have to put in a specific code each time? Or is it fine just just to be aware of fatigue and you should just walk okay. I think it's really just being aware of that fatigue so that when you get that notification, you're taking action because you know that you should be, not because it just pops up. Other systems have pop-ups like that where they have password list logins where you just have to accept something on your phone. Again, you want to make sure that you're the one initiating that. Um, Otherwise, you should be concerned if that's just popping up out of nowhere. And I think, you know, from a fraud perspective, make sure you don't share that information. If you receive that code and you didn't initiate something and then you get a phone call that says, hey, can I have that six digit code that you just received? That should definitely give you pause. Um, And most messages even include a, you know, little blurb that says, do not share this code with anyone. Um, I know for some of the systems we use internally, there's specific information that we should be looking for. Like if we're resetting a password and they send us a push notification, there's specific information that we should be aware of so that you have, you have some more background or context as to why you're receiving it and then to keep it to yourself. You know, some of our listeners might, this might be like, oh, I already know this. Is there uh, importance of maybe family and friends that who, who don't know this information? Should everybody kind of be teaching lessons to people who don't have this information in front of them? Definitely. That's probably the biggest takeaway is education and awareness. Yeah, I think it I think it comes right back to that. What we talked about with email used to be the main scam vector, phishing vector, right? So now everyone knows, like, don't click on a link in an email. Like, even your grandma probably knows that. But does she know about text messages? Maybe not. So it's that education piece. When people check their email, I mean, I know there's a portion of the population that probably checks it on their phone, but people check their email on a computer. So you're like in the zone, sitting down, reviewing your email. Your phone's with you most of the time. So if it, I think it's like you said, the engagement level is so much higher because it's right there and you see it and there's natural curiosity to see yeah, what's that, out there. But don't click the, the link. The pop-up conditioning, like, of course, I'm going to agree to the terms and conditions. Yes, I have to click this thing to go to the next screen. Like, of course, I'm just going to apply the code that I received to launch the next step of this process or whatever it is. Like, that makes perfect sense. So, Well, and thank goodness for the guy who invented, or gal, I should say, who invented the pre-fill. Like, when you get the text and you're in something and it pre-fills on your own device, like, that is glorious. (laughs) And probably secure, because, I mean, you're not sharing it with anybody. You're initiating that activity. And I think when we're on our phone, we're on the go. We're multitasking. So we're probably half paying attention to things. And so it goes back to that just slow down and, you know, practice that that process over and over again because just like you said it's instinct to press the button to say yes it's it should be instinct to review everything before you take action just like when you 
get into a car and our instinct now is to grab a seatbelt and put it on, that should be with every message that we get, no matter what the channel is, a phone call, a text message, an email. What are those key things we just, we need to look at and make sure that this makes sense and, and back to, you know, a little bit of skepticism. That's exactly what I was thinking with the driving analogy. Honestly, I was like, you pull up to your red light. You're like, all right, time to enter my multi-factor authentication code. And then I can go when it turns <laughs> green type of thing. So there's risks involved to driving. There's risks involved to doing activities online, right? So there's safeguards in place to keep you between the lines, so to speak. It all makes good sense. Right. Well, and you have to share the information. We've talked about a little bit that education piece, but that goes for the you know, maybe new to phone users, like the younger people in your life. Um, sometimes they're more tech savvy, so they might have a little bit of an advantage, but making sure they know, don't click the link and share all of your information. Um, and for the other generations in our life, just make sure you're making sure they're aware of what's what's out there and what the risks are. That makes me think that I guarantee there's somebody who's listening to this right now being like, I know all this. I got this. I'm fine. It's never going to happen to me because I am good with this stuff. What would you say to that person? It'll happen. It's just when, right? And so when you do that, what should you do then? And again, I think it's limit the damage. You know, first reset your password, enable multi-factor authentication. And yeah, if, if it's, if they're spoofing or imitating your financials information or their website and you provide information, your first call should be, okay, this is what happened. What can I do? Because specifically at Royal, we've got resources and team members who have tons of knowledge and are ready to help should that happen so that you can protect yourself and control the damage. So that sounds really, really good. Because you guys do that stuff every day, day in and day out, right? But if I'm experiencing that for the first time, like, I feel like there's an emotional challenge or hurdle that comes with, like, admitting, like, I'm in trouble. Like, things are not, like, I clicked the link. I gave every piece of my personal information away. Like, what am I supposed to do now? I did not stop at the red light. I just kept driving. I need help, Taylor. Like, like that is an emotional challenge for people to call in and admit that or walk into an office and sit down with someone and say, oops, like... Do you, do you deal with that? Does your team kind of encounter that on a daily basis? Absolutely. I think there is a, I mean, embarrassment is maybe the word that comes to mind. People are embarrassed that they were duped or that someone got them to share the information. So we absolutely do see it. And I think my team is so caring. I think they can talk to the, the member and say, hey, it's okay. You're not alone. This happens and we're here to help. Um, and sometimes that's not necessarily them calling in, but us catching it because Royal does review transactions and, and try to protect our members as often as we can. Um, and sometimes that means questioning transactions. So we might stop it, but we still have to ask those questions of, hey, tell me a little bit more about this, this situation or this transaction. And as they're telling the fraud team member, the fraud team member might say, you know, this sounds... This sounds a little sketchy. Did you, where did you meet this person? Or um, how, what kind of contact have you had? And they seem like really personal questions, but that's how we get to the root of what's happening in the situation. Yeah. And then the stakes just go up from there, right? If it's like we've heard about romance scams, if they're sending money to someone that they believe is in love with them or invested in their future or something like that, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that romance scams in particular have. Um, an incredibly emotional toll because not only are you realizing the potentially financially financial impact and 
could change the whole course of your life, depending on how much money has, has been taken or exploited. But there's an emotional loss because with romance scams, they play the long game. It's not just a you know, weekend conversation. We've seen where these individuals are taking months to speak to people and grow that rapport and that relationship. And then they start asking for money. And it seems more natural because they have that established connection. And so when someone tells them maybe the reality of the situation, they may not want to believe it because there's the financial toll, but also the emotional loss of that relationship. And they're good. Those, those, that actors, they, they, I mean, they're casting a wide net for sure, but that's just somebody being lonely and wanting someone to talk to and them filling that need. Yeah. How do you protect her? How do you protect yourself against that? Well, I was talking to a group of seniors um, at the Chippewa, Valley, Chippewa Falls Senior Center this morning. And one of the things we talked about was checking in with your your friends or your family and just having that, you mentioned it earlier, James, having that connection um, to someone that you can talk to and, and maybe someone who's kind of aware of what's happening. So if you do meet someone, you know, you're someone else is aware of that. And then just being aware that this can happen. And especially in that population where they may not have the same number of people around or, you know, frequency of contact, they're especially susceptible to those types of scams. So having someone to, to talk to, which is in and of itself, probably a bit of a conundrum, but there is a program where you can designate a trusted individual. So in the event that you are part of a scam, they can be your trusted person. It's almost like a power of attorney, but in the event that something unfortunate happens with a scam, you have this person that you can designate and they start making the decisions on your account to make sure that you're protected. It's through APRP. That's crazy. But it makes like you're in shock, like you're not thinking clearly in some of those situations. Is the bottom line, the takeaway, stop by an office, give Royal Credit Union a call if you feel like you gave away some of your financial information, like that's the starting point and maybe the ending point, depending on how much information you gave away, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think starting the conversation is important. And then depending on, we can kind of assess what the situation is and go from there. And there's a variety of steps that we can take and a variety of resources available. Um, unfortunately, scams are very prevalent. So there are a ton of resources that people can use to both protect themselves ahead of time, but also recover should they be involved. Sure. And for that stuff, we're talking about like, do we need to reissue your payment card? With the new number, do we need to close your account and give you new account numbers? Is there a need for putting a freeze on your credit? Something are those like typical steps? Is there anything else in that space that you usually see, or did I cover all of them? Yeah, I think I, yes. I think you really covered all of them. I mean, we, I think that is a, a very fair synopsis. Yes, and and alerts. You know, making sure that. Um, specifically if you're giving out your information. And unfortunately, that can happen with phishing and romance scams where maybe they're not asking for money. Maybe they're asking for access to your online banking. And then, um, you know, we go through the steps to reset that. But then how are you aware moving forward of the activity that's occurring? Yeah, I'll share. I've shared this before on the podcast. I have my real-time alerts set to one cent. So every time any transaction happens, I get a notification. And it's actually not as annoying as it sounds. Like it pops up on your device like and it's there for you to look at so well and it's informational so you don't have to take action it's just you know you know what's going on it's not the mfa we're talking about just that alert just that awareness of what's happening it's almost set it and forget it right you know one of those things we tell people is log into your account look at the activity but sometimes you know that takes time we forget about it setting up those alerts it's just automatically happening for you i really do like the alerts have you ever caught anything 
I just last week actually, and it turned out my wife had taken out some cash from an ATM. (laughs) And then I checked my text messages, and she had texted me just before that, like, "Don't panic, I'm just stopping at the ATM." (laughs) So I got the real time alert before I read her message. So I was like, "Hmm, I gotta look at this." And then I was like, "Oh, okay." So you really love the alerts more than your wife's text messages, (laughs) is what you're telling me. Apparently, yes. Maybe this is why my husband and I have separate accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I got to hear this. So did you both think of a donut together or separately? We did not collaborate did, on our no. um, oh, donut did, did choice. I right. just thought of <laughs> one I like. That was oh, I did like that internal inventory of the donut that I like. And then I found out the name kind of relates to fraud. So I chose the crueler. The crueler? Yes. Excellent choice. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch, but fraud is cruel. and But the donuts are delicious. <laughs> so my donut choice was a Bismarck. Because if you go to a bakery and they don't properly identify what is on the inside. So for me, I'm a custard, whipped topping, filling. I do not want a jelly filled donut. The fruit fillings are not. So the surprise is what you want to avoid. That's correct. And it is a lot of like the same feeling. You just feel cheated when you get bite into that jelly. You're like, Oh, I don't want this. Should I throw it away? No, I'm going to obviously eat it all of it. It's a but, donut. Yeah, <laughs> but you're still disappointed with it. That's right. Ugh. That hurts. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how you could identify it. You know, are you looking at the, looking at the, the little hole on the side? Exactly. And like, is it cream? Is it jelly? Like, <laughs> Maybe back to your case, you reach out to the baker to see what's actually in it. Mm-hmm. And you take some extra take steps. Take some steps to... <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that the insides are what you thought it would be. Donut identification. Yes. We can talk about some of the check fraud scams that we've been seeing. And so fraud is so unique because typically within an industry, people keep their information close to their their chest, right? Like they don't, um, lenders don't share their rates with other lenders. Marketers don't share their, their geolocation strategies with other organizations. But fraud's so different because they really share we really share um, what we're seeing and how we're responding to it because there's no competition in fraud. We want all of our members to be protected. And so we share information, never pertinent member information, but general scenario information. And one of the larger scams that the Midwest is seeing in particular is mail theft check fraud. So for those who may still mail a check to whether it's for a bill or to a loved one, Um, Those checks are being taken out of the mail. And in some cases, they're just taking a picture of them. So they get the information, like they're routing an account number, um, maybe what the signature looks like. And they use that information to make withdrawals out of the account to get more information. And they seal that envelope back up. So your payee is paid as intended and no one's any wiser. And in other situations, they actually take the check itself and wash it and make it out to themselves and so the check that was intended for your the business of choice is then adjusted so that it's written out to the bad actor, and in, um, they make off with the with the funds. So there's been alerts to stop mailing checks and find additional ways to do that, which moves money movement to more electronic channel, which is where we get into the cybersecurity components of it. So it's kind of a ever changing shell game of protecting yourself and not putting more information out there than than necessary. So what are some solutions that Royal has specifically if you don't want to be mailing a check? Within within Royal's bill pay, you can 
set up to pay your whatever bills you may have. And there are some institutions that don't accept a electronic check, which is typically how it's sent. But in that case, it's not your information that's tied. It's not your routing and account number that's on the check. It's actually a check that doesn't reflect any of your information, but is still credited to your account based on the information that you um, that you provide. You can also use the make a transfer to other people. So rather than sending a check to your um, friend for their birthday, you can send money electronically and then it's delivered to them soon. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of opportunities within Royals Online Banking of ways you can send money without revealing more information than necessary and with limited risk. Some additional items that people should be aware of is, you know, mo- mobile apps. It's what everybody's moving to. You know, we've we've talked lots about when you're using your computer and you should have your computer up to date, the operating system patches and your browser should be up to date. But a lot of things are moving to mobile and using mobile apps And it's really knowing where you're getting your mobile apps from because those bad actors also like to create fake mobile apps out there. And so you think you're downloading and using an app for a company or for for whatever purpose it is. And in fact, it's another way that they're able to grab information. Um, Another method is uh, social media profiles. We talk a lot about the dangers um, of social media and you know, bad actors were also create fake profiles. So you think you're engaging with your com- that company or that business or that personal friend. So it's really just reviewing those and understanding where they're coming from, knowing that, you know, what you're communicating with them. And if, if it's online, you know, that's where you watch what personal information you're sharing there. It's not someone that you know personally. Yeah, that immediately takes me to those lists that people fill out. It's like your favorite food, your favorite color, your first pet, like all of those things. It's like, get to know me when in reality, that is typically how many of our passwords are generated. And so if your information isn't private, or even if it is, um, information can still be found and you're giving out those details that, you know, separate you from the person next to you because that's information that's pertinent to you. And if it's not your password, it's often a lot of those security questions. Right. Yeah. Which is why security questions really are not, um, you know, a lot of systems are moving away from having that security question. Oh, really? Because it's information that you can readily find. Yeah. Scary stuff. That's a gloomy hole. <laughs> <laughs> I was just the thinking comment. when you said about the weather earlier, I thought, oh my gosh, this is gloom and doom. <laughs> it's not gloom and doom. It's not meant to be scared tactics. It's really just to raise awareness, you know, to know what to look out for and how to protect yourself and how to protect your family. Yeah, I think that you guys are the sunshine to the the gloom, right? You're coming in and you're trying to battle this every day. You're working with our members, so team members. It's great stuff. Yeah, I think that's important to point out that we don't just accept it. We're like, oh, fraud happens. We'll just kick back and let it occur. No, there's proactive things that not only you can do to protect yourself, but that the organizations, well, some organizations are taking to make sure that you're protected as well, even if you don't. So for Royal, we're looking for these fake websites. We're looking for these fake social media accounts, looking for these fake mobile apps in the goal that when we find them, we can take them down very quickly. So even if those attacks get out there, those text messages, and someone does accidentally click on that link, maybe that website that was associated to it is already taken down. For every 
member we have out there, everybody who's listening, what is like the one thing that you wish you could just get them in front of you and say to them about fraud or about what's going on nowadays? If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Mm. Still no such thing as a free lunch. Exactly. Okay. I think it's still just slow down, take a moment to look at something. All right. So if I could tell members one thing about fraud, I would say listen to this podcast and share it with someone that you care about, right? I know. It goes back to the what you said of a person that you can bounce ideas off. You should be that person for somebody else. So if you can share this podcast with them, maybe you're taking the first step in that direction. So I'll make sure I email this podcast to you after I'm done. Oh, thank you, Steve. Yeah, (laughs) support network right there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate that. James, if people like this podcast, what should they do? They should subscribe to it on their favorite podcast platform. Mm -hmm. They can also go and watch more Money Donuts videos and listen to more Money Donuts podcasts. Agreed. So there's more episodes than just this one. And if they really like it, they could even leave a a review. Yes. Perfect. Well said. I kind of want to say it over. I kind (laughs) of stumbled on the review word. I forgot about that part. That's all right. (laughs) I'll hold back. Perfect. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.